Raise your glasses and welcome the handsome men from Maltage. Ladies and gentlemen, put your whiskey shoes on. It's time for another edition of Malted, the podcast. Episode 2. I'm Ben. I'm Warwick. I'm Charlie. How you going? Good. Good. Also good. <laughs> We've we good. <laughs> we finally ha- uh, recovered from our hangovers from episode 1. We were mighty and long. Only to be fortified by the good beer week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll get to that. Charlie, how have you been since the last podcast? Oh yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Um, keeping myself pretty busy um, socially and uh, otherwise. Been to Tassie. Good. Went to Tassie. Didn't get to any distilleries. Fail. It was a big fail. But it fail. Was a, it was a mountain. Fail. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mountain biking weekend, and uh, the closest distillery was two and a half hours away. You should have mountain biked there. <laughs> Did you drink whiskey when you were on your mountain biking trip? Uh, we did. We had some uh, Yoichi. Ah, yeah. Good? Yeah. Oh, of course. It's the no age stuff. statement? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, we'll get to that one. And that's we'll a Japanese whiskey. Yes. If I did. Yeah. If, I, if I'm... Yep. Which Warwick yeah. has the age statement and I have the non-age statement. Yeah. So we do want to compare them at some point. I've got Yoichi 15, uh, which is uh, really widely, uh, you know, highly regarded. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully it'll stand up and to yours. Yep, and uh, and also with the Miyagiko, we've got that one. Mm-hmm. I think we've mentioned this, but we'll keep we plugging have. it. Future yeah. plugs. <laughs> yeah. Warwick, um, um, any, any news? Uh, well, I guess I've been on a bit of a whiskey journey. Um, I did want to talk briefly. I attended an Adelphi tasting. Um, so for, for the uninitiated, Adelphi is an independent bottler, which means that they basically just get bottles of whiskey, sorry, barrels of whiskey, and then they'll bottle them Um the general public with very little sort of uh, fanfare to the actual distillery since it's been bottled under a different label but um it was really good the guy uh the distillery sorry the manager of adelphi a guy named alexander bruce um hi alex yeah hi alex if you're listening um he he was uh, he was telling some really great stories about the whiskies and um we talked a little bit about the guy from kevlon who we had a bit of a, a man crush on I think I developed a bit of a man crush on Alexander Bruce. So, if you're listening, sorry, that's a bit creepy. Um, It's a theme. Yeah, it is a theme. It's got awkward. Yeah, yeah. I've had a sad time. It's been very sad. Why? I finished my Ardbeg 10-year-old. The whole liter of it, I bought it in Fiji. It was great. Coming home, I got off the plane. I was like, ah, mm, sweet Pete. Sweet Pete. And now it's all gone. It's very sad. Well, there's more Ardbeg that you can buy. Like, if you go to the shop, you can buy more Ardbeg. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Speaking of Ardbeg, they've got their um, their Ardbeg Day release this year, which is called Ardbeg Dark Cove. It's um, supposed to be the darkest whiskey they produce, and it was matured in what's probably Pedro Jimenez sherry mm. barrels. Um, mm. And they were selling it through Moe Hennessy, the actual distributor for... Um, for Ardbeg here, it's a 55% bottling, if I'm wrong, and that's the committee release, so you have to be a member of Ardbeg's fan club, um, of which I am, and um, when the actual bottling comes out, that can just be bought at a shop, it'll probably be bottled at about 46%, which is... Uh, That could definitely pull me out of my grief. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it could. So you're saying the darkness comes from the... Yeah, it's a a dark, dark sherry barrel. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'll take note of that for later because mm. there's something I wanted to comment on that for okay. our tasting today. Mm. Well, mm. speaking about tasting today, today we're drinking the uh, Glenn Farcar Ben Glenn <laughs> Farclass, fifteen year old, not the twelve. So, <laughs> yep. if you're listening to this now, pop your headphones in, go down to your local bottle shop and get yourself one, or pause the podcast to go get yourself one and drink along with us. Yep. We're sober now. I'm working Maybe on not. that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Halfway into a beer and a whiskey. One thing that we all did uh, in between podcasts was attend the uh, Good Beer Week Gala. Yes, we did. It was a night of much merriment. (laughs) Yes. It was a very good evening. Many ales. Many ales. Many ales. 
What? I forgot to bring. Uh, I forgot to bring the name of the favorite of my favorite, and um, he also. It's not why I voted in my favorite, but um, he also offered us a free sample. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. Which I've got. A, I've got his email address at home, and I was meant to stash the bit of paper. Well, he'll love that you forgot his name. <laughs> so I'll promote you heavily next podcast. I'm sorry. I, I actually do remember the name because you were talking to me about it. But first things first, where's our sample? If you promised us a free sample, no. Well, I have to email him. Oh, okay. And it was a Last he's. Time. I'm wondering if it does fit in. It was a, it was a, um, yeah, it would, I suppose, um, a moonshine that they've created and they've barrel aged. They were called Barrow Boys, yeah. for, for those listening. <laughs> uh, and Barrow Boys currently have a an astoundingly good lager, I think, because I'm not a lager guy. It's called the Stormy Lager, and it's a really multi-driven lager. Nice. Um, I like it a lot. And they also do a pale ale. Um, it was the pale ale. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen any of their other beers, but I actually um, walked into Carlin Sellers once, which is near our house. Um, you know, we all respectively live in Thornbury. Not Charlie, he left. Um, oh, close enough. He's Thornbury. in Brunswick, but uh, Carlin Sellers is our local, which is the greatest place on earth. And um, <coughs> they... <Sorry. laughs> um, whiskey and ailment. Oh, uh, well, you know, we can all disagree. Wait. That's the shameless plug, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, I will not stand for anyone, uh, you know, trying to trump the whiskey now, even if it is Carlin Sellers. Carlin Sellers might be a close second. We're going to disagree here. No. I am not going to favour any whiskey bar in Melbourne <laughs> no. until I'm paid something. And so the whiskey now <laughs> started it all. This whole thing that we're sitting here. That is you know, true. It is very true. We did start paid. whiskey now. And I was that there last true. night and it was great. <laughs> mm. I always have a great time. Where was our invite? Um, I went to comedy oh. and it was just sort of... Uh, yeah, Ben and I don't like comedy. No, you guys hate laughing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tried the Ardberg Infinity, actually. Really? Hey, you know that, Jim? You poured some pinky oh, whiskey down your mouth, did you? I didn't. Were you That's... tied down? No. <laughs> Is that the Ardberg uh, and um, Glen Morangy fused whiskey? Well, the way Jim, who bought it, described it was that they'd taken a little sample from every year that they've been... Oh, Going. I'm not sure how it works. I don't know either. But Thanks, Jim. Jim, maybe you can email us and describe well, it. Well, he was, he was uh, more than keen to actually be a, um, a guest. Really? Does Jim yeah. like us on Facebook? He better. <laughs> He's not getting on the podcast till he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was our favourite one, Warwick? Because we well, had the same favourite one. Brewery, yeah. Uh, for me, was Exit. Um, always. Wow. Well, did we vote for a different one? We did. We did. Um, sure that's not absence so, makes the heart grow fonder. Because Exit's going to be the good story to it. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll we'll talk about exit in a sec. But the yeah. one that we actually voted for was a really small, um, a really small brewery. It's out in country Victoria somewhere, and I never heard of it before the day that we went to the thing. And I'm just trying to look up the name of it now because it was um, that it was a red ale, and it was um, just divine it was so good try that one. um or did i <laughs> well you know they were just kind of in the corner and i don't think there, were, there weren't too many people there but i can't that was probably the only one that i had twice. the the back right as you were entering the yes. back right corner i yes. think i did try them yeah, yeah and i can't yeah. remember the name so either. as i was as i was working my way around i did manage to um to try it and i'm still looking up the name so if anyone doesn't realize it we got so drunk that night we've forgotten all our favorite whiskeys oh whiskeys <laughs> can't even say the name properly favorite beers, beers. but they, yeah. were, they were a little a little no, little known brewery and they did very well yeah yeah um we well, know was... this is a, a beer podcast as well as whiskey i mean we tend to talk about whiskey more than beer oh definitely whiskey favored it was the but... uh tuberac 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 yeah. Either Tuberac or Tuborac. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Yeah. A hotel and brewery. Mm. Um, and it was there. It was there. I can't see what it is on their website. But it was yeah. a red ale that they do. But yeah. they don't They don't actually supply in Melbourne. You have to actually go to their, their brewery. Yeah. Yeah. Which we might make a bit of a trip. Yeah, we can do it at a podcast. Sounds good. But tell us about the uh, exit story. Yeah, so the exit story. Um is that at the end of the night... So, just, just, just as a bit of a... So, exit is the brewery. Yeah. And some, <laughs> it was an exit strategy. <laughs> last podcast, Warwick bought a whole bunch of beer from Exit, which we were going to drink. And me and Charlie drank a lot of them. Down straight, we did. Yeah, high five. <laughs> <laughs> but Warwick got, got his, beer. Warwick got his revenge. Yes. 
by going there and um, telling them, and, and this was after I'd actually cast my vote, so I think I voted a different brewery is my favourite, um, which I'm very embarrassed about. But the actual uh, beer that I had was the West Coast IPA, and I had the very last pour of it ever. The very last... Uh, Dra- uh, what would you call it? You wouldn't call it a dram. No, very it's a pour. Glass. Very last pour. Yeah. yeah, yeah of Exit cool. West Coast IPA, which was um, was doubly sweet because I knew it was ending. So why the last? Because they don't make it anymore. It's if gone. It's so good. Why would you stop? Because they make other beers now. So they've got a pale ale. They've got an amber. They've got all these beers that they're actually releasing as a as a core range. Whereas before they were sort of like a limited release right. brewery. Um, if you love something, let it go. If you go on Facebook, our Facebook, you'll see the photo of Warwick drinking that last ever glass of Exit, looking less excited than I actually was. It was I a very long night. Yeah, I looked very. Uh, yeah, but very the other long. thing, the yeah, other thing, cut out so early. <laughs> The other thing I want to talk about really quickly we're old, is that Charlie, we're old. At some point, at some point, we we all split paths. Um, however, I I went along with Ben to uh, Bad Frankie, which is a bar in um in did you now in Collingwood? This yeah, is news to me. Yeah, well, you were you were off doing whatever you do, um, and we were drunk enough to decide that the best thing to do right now would be to drink more whiskey. <laughs> so we had um, we had a couple of glasses of Hartwood. Uh, which is the Australian independent bottler of choice. Um, and the ones that we had were um, we had Convict's one that was... Resurrection, which yeah. is a heavily peated, sorry, he- heavily uh, ported whiskey. Yep. It's, it's partly Lark, partly uh, Sullivan's Cove. And the other one we had, which I thought was the most interesting, was just simply called Dregs. And so when this guy who... Um, Tim Duckett from Hartwood, when he actually bottles his whiskey, he hangs onto the barrels and bottles them himself. He ends up with a bunch of barrels that just don't they have like tiny little bits left, and he then bottled all of the dregs. So if you buy this bottle, not that I intend on buying it because it's so expensive, um, you see little bits of barrel floating in it, which I think is really fascinating. Hmm. It's, we uh, tried it and it was amazing. It was really good, very yeah. strong. So. Yeah. It's the dregs of each individual barrel, or that is well, well, most of them that is bottled and then yeah. blended together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right. it's kind of like its own bastard blends. Um, though according to the label, it's mostly Lark, mostly Sullivan's Cove, but I believe he's probably hanging on to a lot of other stuff mostly. as well. Anyway, yeah. that was our our goings and comings and goings since the last podcast. We have had some feedback on the Facebooks and um, and in person as well. We had a question from Jane. Hi, Jane. About our, the, what glasses we use when we drink. Yeah, we didn't talk about this. Whiskey. We talked about how we drink whiskey, but I think the glass is really important. Yeah. Well, we've, well, we've seems... got a variety of glasses here. Well, Charlie, what are you drinking out of? I go, I've gone for the traditional Glen Cairn glass. And what's that? Um, what is that? <laughs> it's, a, it's a glass. <laughs> I believe it's got a flower <laughs> name. Is it, is it the tulip Jul- style? Yeah, I guess, yeah, you call it a tulip style. It's sort of a wine glass that's been stretched up a little bit. Um... Generally, you just fill it about a centimetre or two up, and it basically gives a lot of headspace to, to capture the odour of the whiskey. Mm. So you can get a very nice uh, whiff of it. You can get them at Dan's. They're, they're good for whiskey. Dan's? Dan's? Is that Dan Murphy's? That'll be Dan I'm Murphy's. not plugging Dan Murphy's. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm just going to call them Dan's. And it's, um, it's near stemless too. So you can it hold is. onto it and you can warm the whiskey in your hands. Yeah, which I'm not, I'm not a fan of, but people do like to do that to get more of the odour out. I... I don't no, know. I'm I, not a fan of it. I don't like warm whiskey. Mm. <laughs> if you like want to be really whiskey. cool, you can hold it between your first and second knuckles, and I like use that your guy wrist, that wrist to, to wave it around. No, that's pretty well, wanky. Well, personally, I love warm whiskey, and the reason I love warm whiskey is because it does release the odor, like warm mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, so you're the you're the science guy. Um, yes, Charles the science guy. You would know more about this than me, but it does release the odor the warmer it is. Yes. What yes. is what does chilling whiskey do? Or the opposite. <laughs> it does, it does, yeah, it will, it will dull the odour and dull the flavour. Um, which why is you, Why do you like that more? Um, well, I don't like chilling whiskey. Uh, I will chill bourbon. Right. But I wouldn't drink bourbon out of a glass like this. Mm. Or by preference, I wouldn't. There's mm. been a couple of bourbons I've had which I did like out of um, a Glen Can glass, but generally I'd go for something a bit more open. Like a tumbler sort of guy. A tumbler, yeah. It's like the, the Madman well, style glasses. Yeah, mm. I would almost go for a. I think a the tumbler even I think does doesn't capture enough of the odor. I feel it just is the odor's just gone. So I would yeah. almost go for like a brandy. 
uh, like a cognac glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just okay. something uh, just wider than a Glen Cairn glass, so you, you do get more mixed air through it as you smith uh, as you sniff it, and mm. um, yeah, enough to let the rocks swirl around. When when you um, when you because I do prefer bourbon chilled. Okay, we, when you we haven't necessarily talked about bourbon yet. Nope. Um, we do plan on talking about it on, in a future episode, but I think probably the thing with bourbon is that it is made of grains that are sweeter. So I think mm. probably when it's chilled, you don't get that burst of sweetness that is probably you're not actually, so not so um, inherently within Scotch. Well, yeah, you're actually trying to dull that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, yeah, because it is quite overpowering mm-hmm. when the whiskey is warm to yeah. to do that. So um, yeah, you guys have both gone for a, a very different glass. Yes, I know it's very uh, very elegant. What are we drinking out of, Warwick? It's the Denver and Lily uh, uh, whiskey glass, hand blown. Yeah, hand blown. So these guys are they're they're a pair of Melbourne guys. I'm pretty sure um, they are they've patented this glass. It's it's their own design that they worked on, and it, it, similar to the Glen Can, it's got a tulip shape. It's but very it's attractive. Much wider than the Glen Can. Um, it holds a deceptively large amount of whiskey. Yeah, you can pour yourself a <laughs> massive shot without even without yeah. feeling at all yeah. guilty about it. Yeah. But it's a it's a really lovely looking glass. I mean personally I go between this and the Glen Cairn because what I find with this one is that because it's so wide, you you really your nose really gets in there. So if you're drinking a cast strength whiskey you can really kind of burn your nostrils. Um, mm. whereas with the Glen Cairn your nose kind of sits on the top of the rim. Um, so you don't you don't get the the full on intense aroma as unless much. you just go shove your nose right in there. Yeah, unless you do that, of course. But <laughs> yeah. what I what I would say is like there's good and bad points to that, and I, I I definitely like that you can you can really get your whole face in this one. Okay. You can just like stick your face in and drink the whiskey, and it's pretty lovely. We'll so I'll some, go between two. So we'll, we'll put some photos on Facebook, but I think in, in in sum up, really like that tulip shape, which is like the big bottom big bottom glass with a with a, a slightly narrower mouth. Um, is usually what we'd use, what we'd say is probably the best to drink out of, the traditional whiskey sort of highball tumbler. Yeah. Highball or lowball? I don't know. I don't know what the difference is, but the tumbler sort of madman glass is okay, but it kind of loses a lot of the aroma. It, it doesn't. Basically, what the tulip. Of course, Charlie says the odor. <laughs> the odor. <laughs> <laughs> basically, yeah, the tulip shape will literally hold on to the. The vapors of the of the whiskey so if you've got an, uh, a shaped glass so if you go to the extreme like a martini glass it's just not going to hold any odor whatsoever so that's why you have you know vodkas and stuff out of a martini or just your typical cocktail glass but yeah. when you're going for a whiskey which is incredible which is very aromatic and that's where you get a lot of the sensation from you want something that actually captures the and holds on to the odor. Mm. There's a really big thing you can get into in talking about glasses too, about how you actually wash it, whether you use detergent. We're not going to get into that though, because it's really boring. (laughs) (laughs) Just rinse them with water. (laughs) The other piece of feedback we had was from Brian, who agreed with Charlie that black jelly beans were good. I don't like that idea. Brian, stop listening right now. (laughs) Never listen to our podcast again, you black jelly bean loving... Love you, bro. Love your work. Thanks, mate. <laughs> if there's anyone else who's said anything that I haven't spoken about, I'm sorry. I can't remember it now. And I'm not going on Facebook now to check it out. Let's go to the news. 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 The World Whiskey Awards 2016. Mm. So, yes. Old Pulteney was named Best Single Malt. But which one? Which one? I don't know. Which one? It was the old Pulteney Vintage 89 release. Oh, which the whiskey and almond didn't have last night. Well, it's, it's, it was only ever a limited bottling, and apparently they all just went nuts. Like There, there are a couple of places online, not in Australia, I believe, that were selling it. Um, and as far as I know, it's all gone. Uh, old Pulteney is, a, is, a, um, is the northernmost mainland distillery in Scotland, and mm-hmm. the Vintage 89 release is a lightly peated version as well, which is a bit unique for that whiskey. Keeping there being mainland distillery. Yeah, yeah not the yes. most northern Scotch distillery. There's at least two more. Yeah. We will be getting into the regions this, uh, this episode as mm-hmm. our future yes. story. Yeah. Um, well, what does this mean? Is, I mean, I guess now the old, that, that bottle is astronomically... Astronomically? Astronomically. Astronomically 
expensive. Yeah, so what I would say is that I don't think we want to get into the clickbaity, you know, Scotch whiskey is back kind of argument because I don't think it ever really left. I mean, that's just my opinion. <laughs> so but, this is the thing um, that a Scotch one rather than something from somewhere else. Yeah, well, yeah. last year it was Cavalan, the, the Vino um, Barrique, which is a wine cask whiskey made in Taiwan. The year before that it was Sullivan's Cove, uh, very own Australian whiskey from Tasmania, their port cask one. We're going back in to Scotland, I guess, and... Um, you know, to me, the, the the output in Scotland of whiskey in the last couple of years has been as rich as it is from other areas. But I think that, um, you know, it does say that Scotch whiskey is um, definitely, I, I think, on the cards again. And at least Old Paulson is going to very much uh, benefit from the recognition. So basically what you're saying is the past few years have implied that Scotch whiskey was redundant in some fashion, by some fashion that a lot of people were fearing that the Scotch had lost its pizzazz and sort of resting on its laurels. Well, if and you listen to Jim Murray, yes. Well, that's the thing yeah. that's been on the internet, yeah, that there's been yeah. a lot of like, per Scotch whiskey, yeah. that's passe. Yeah. So I, I guess it's understandable. They're the old guys. They're just old hands. You can sort of yeah. see why if a couple of new starters are starting to win the awards, you start to say that. But here we are. Maybe not. Yeah, and I guess, you know, it's it's a good recognition for Old Pulteney. Um, they've had awards before. Their 21-year-old was named Jim Murray's World Whiskey of the Year a couple of years ago. Um, mm. It's a very good I guess, I, I mean, I've had the 21. I liked it. I didn't think it was World Whiskey of the Year material, but, you know, that's just my taste buds. And, and I think the thing to remember with all of these awards is that there are a bunch of people, and perhaps Charlie can talk more about how they actually arrive at these things, but... It's just some opinions, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Hoist your did, opinion off me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I did look into how they did it. It's, um, it, I thought it was quite robust. I, you'd sort of say, I guess, scientifically valid. I don't, I don't know how many people they had involved, but um, they used journalists, whiskey specialists, uh, retailers, bartenders, and... Uh, and hold it, oh, hoteliers. Sorry, <laughs> I can't read my own writing. <laughs> hoteliers. So a lot of people who are interested in finding good whiskey and understanding or being able to basically, I guess, have their finger on the pulse of what is good and what is appreciated and what is liked out there. And the method they go through is they basically get all the subcategories that they've got. They've got a bunch of subcategories. Um, let me just have a quick... Are they interesting? Yeah, I mean, so you got, it's, they're quite obvious, blended, bourbon, single barrels, corn whiskies, flavoured whiskies, which I don't think should exist, um, <laughs> single malt, single pot still, of which are the green spot one, which I, I like the green spot, which is an Irish whiskey. What does that mean? Uh, the green spot distillery. Oh, they're called right. the green, they're, it's green spot is the name of the distillery and they produce a very nice sort of oily whiskey. Mm, oily. Quite nice. Like the Hellier's Road if, uh, for an Australian comparison well i'd like that. to talk about irish whiskey in another episode we will I reckon it's quite, <laughs> it, it, yeah it would be a good discussion to have um, yeah as to what is the pot still we'll leave that with you so basically yeah their method is um they they take all the subcategories and people will trial everything in the subcategories and produce a winner for each subcategory so blind tasting blind absolutely blind tasting yeah. They don't have any idea what they're trying. I'm yep. not sure if it goes to the extent that they can't even see the color, but um, mm. it's definitely it's a blind tasting. That in at least in the in that they don't know who is what whiskey is in each glass that they're they're judging. Yeah, yeah. I think you should be able to see the color. I mean, color, yeah, that's part of the experience, really. Yeah, um, it's not. Me, a, I'm it's not, not a massive about color. Not, not a massive part of the experience, but like. It'd yeah, be, it'd be interesting at least. But I think I, I do have a lot more faith if it's blind tasting that they're not just picking the whiskies that they think will be no. interesting. Yeah, um, it is It is completely blind. Yeah. And then the subcategories to produce the all-round winners, They that's so the first round is the subcategories, and then round two and three, they, I think they might go through this process twice, the same process twice, of just comparing all the whiskies against each other and people just subjectively vote for the ones they like the best. So drunkenly go, it's one! Yeah, it's it's one! one. <laughs> I want that one! Wait a second. I love that one. The straw-coloured one. <laughs> Which one's that? Yeah. That one. Yeah. So it sounds like, yeah, and there was much merriment. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a hell of a thing to be invited to. Well, maybe in a year's time we'll choose our World Whiskey of the Year. Yeah. I think we most definitely will. Mm. <laughs> um, we need to try some more whiskey. 
Done and done. Yeah. Uh, we had a bit of a local... Well, it's not really a local thing. It's a strange category, but Melbourne picked up an award. Yeah, yeah they did. So, Starwood. Um, a distillery in Essendon in an old airport hangar. They won Australian Whiskey of the Year. Australian Single Malt Whiskey of the Year. Best for the Single Malt. Yeah, for their uh, wine cask expression. Um, and I, I have... Um, I started on Starwood. I didn't really get it. I still don't get it. But I, I've warmed to it a lot. And okay. I think that the wine cast is a really uniquely Australian whiskey, being yeah. that it is, um, you know, it's it's aged in really, like, um, Shirazi Australian wine cast. Yeah. I don't know if Shirazi is the right adjective to use. Sure, sure. But, um, I'm with it. you know, like, I mean, no, when no, you think of... Shirai. <laughs> when you think of Shirai. when you think of like a good Australian Shiraz, I think that's what you're essentially getting in that whiskey. Um, okay, which is interesting. I'm I mean, trying. I really like that whiskey as well. Mm. But Ooh. I've had wine and whiskey together, and Jesus Christ, is that a bad idea? Yeah, <laughs> is that the next beer? morning or <laughs> that's the next morning? I think it was actually mm. at your house, Charlie. We were playing Monopoly, oh. and it went late, and yep. we ran out of beer. We ran out of, oh, and we sweet. went on a little wine, and oh. the whiskey stayed with us all night. Seems <laughs> to, I think I was there, and I think I fell asleep. Yeah, I you think did. you were. And yeah. Claire got very competitive. She did. <laughs> Claire is my wife, and I got competitive too. Um, so we we got to heads, and I won. <laughs> oh, and, and won. we hated you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There were a couple of other Aussie winners as well. Uh, Lark picked up the, the best uh, single barrel single malt for their portcast heavily peated version. Um, I haven't tried it. I don't can't really comment. Probably never will get to try it now that it's won an award. But that's I think that's great because Lark is basically attributed to bringing whiskey to Australia. So yeah, it's always, totally. if those guys are winning stuff, that's awesome yeah. because they just created a whole new industry. Totally. We love Lark and we'll talk about Australian whiskey, I think, really extensively in the future yeah. as well. I'd yeah. like to talk about the genesis of that. And the best uh, blended whiskey for Australia went to Tiger Snake, which is a sour mash whiskey. Mm. And sour mash, again, is a subject which I'll probably touch on in a future episode, but um, it's a pretty unique Australian whiskey too. It's made of uh, it's not just malted barley. Basically, yeah, mm. it's a Tennessee-style whiskey, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah, so your Jack Daniels is a... And where, where are they from? Iconic sour They're mash. from uh, Western Australia. Oh, I was going to say... Yes. Uh, if they were from Melbourne, then we love doing everything like <laughs> we'll go South in America. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just wanted to comment before we finish up with this one that um, I like Starwood a lot. Um, I didn't get a chance to say that. And that night we had we finished. We had um, uh, the beer, good beer week uh, gala. Warwick and I finished on a Starwood, and it was a very good end to the night. Yeah, fantastic. I'd agree. Yeah. I'll I'll have to give them another visit because I yeah. think my taste buds yeah. have matured since I last tried them and yeah. um well it's matured <laughs> changed let's just say changed so wanky so <laughs> matured they're aged <laughs> they're, they're getting older just like me <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about the regions in Scotland that produce mm-hmm. whiskey now this is one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because this is the kind of stuff you started the podcast I did it was my <laughs> idea. <laughs> It's because I don't know much about whiskey, particularly this kind of stuff where you go to a whiskey bar and you have these people sitting around going, well, you know, Speyside whiskey tastes like this and Campbelltown whiskey tastes like that. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like sitting there with my whiskey going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the part where you can actually listen to this. Tastes all right. (laughs) (laughs) Tastes like a... Tastes a bit whiskey, really. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So let's... Give everyone a bit of a bit of bit of knowledge yep. so we can wank along with everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> and this is Scotch whiskey we're talking about here. Wank along. Obviously, we're talking about the regions of Scotland here. So we're going back to the the well. You, do I dare say motherland if whiskey originally came from Ireland? But um, Ooh, contentious, <laughs> <laughs> contentious alert. Where's Let's say bell? the motherland. Let's say they are the motherland of whiskey. Let's just talk about Scotch today. Let's talk about <laughs> and Scotch. maybe we'll acknowledge the Irish later. <laughs> I will acknowledge the Irish. I, I've got a little thing to acknowledge the Irish coming up. So everyone at home, I hope you have your map of yep. Scotland with all the whiskey regions drawn out, so you can follow along. We're gonna visually take you on a journey, though. Yeah. So you don't. You might not need a map. You to do this, the best way this would might be having a whiskey from each region. 
but in we front don't. of you. Mm, we I'm don't, gonna... but you should. <laughs> yeah. I've got two whiskeys from the same region. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, let's start off with Space Bites. Speyside, everybody. Speyside. <laughs> Tell me about Speyside. Sounds cool. Do great. you want to start Warwick or? Yeah, well, Speyside is the, is the um, smallest. No, no, sorry, it's not the smallest. It is the newest no. region yes. of whiskey. And probably um, the reason it's the newest uh, whiskey region is because it's actually the most densely concentrated. Um, it's like the capital of whiskey of Scotland, I guess. Yeah. It's home to, you know, upwards of 30 to 40 whiskey distilleries, probably more by the time we finish this podcast because they're <laughs> popping up all the time. Um, and last week's whiskey, the Ben Romack 10-year-old, came from the Ben Romack distillery, which is in the Space Art region. Hey! Yeah. Oh, actually, I retract my last statement because I was thinking Highlands and yeah, that was the Glenlivet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what did you actually mean to say, Charlie? Nothing. <laughs> I retract. All right. Uh, what did Speyside used to be called though? Because it's something well, new, right? It's it didn't necessarily used to be called this particular area of Speyside was uh, known as the Glenlivet, and so a lot of. Um, Regions, a lot of distilleries, including Glen Farkless, actually would um, name themselves Glen Farkless, Glen Livet, or yeah, something else. Because <laughs> I can't think of <laughs> something else. But it used to technically just be the Highlands. Yeah, like, yes. I mean, and, and most of the distilleries, um, well, not most. I, I guess some of them still kind of consider themselves a Highland distillery because of you know the fact that Speyside is only fairly new and. So I guess the style of Speyside whiskey, um, you know, it tends to be seen as quite honeyish and florally and, um, you know, and, and very smooth, um, easy drinking whiskey. And I suppose the thing is like when you think of the most well-known brands of whiskey, like um, Glen Farkless, Glen Fittick, Glen Livet, they're all Speyside whiskeys. So Glen Fittick, that's one that most people would have heard of. Yeah, yeah, they're the biggest single malt uh, whiskey distiller in the world. So I guess to add to that, um, the it's often you could also characterize it by what it doesn't have. You know, it doesn't have that briny flavor. It doesn't have the peaty flavor mm. uh, because apparently they use a lot of coal there rather than uh, the peat to dry yeah. dry the malt. So it's yeah. yeah, it's sort of this balanced and sweet sort of flavor that you get rather mm. than you know, the yeah. But again, to, to caution, as we go through the whiskey regions, you know, we might say that Speyside typically doesn't have peat, but that doesn't mean that there aren't heavily peated Speyside exactly. whiskies out there. And that's something that I guess is sort of the, you know, the hidden implication behind all Exceptions this Exceptions to every region. About. Yeah. As a yeah. final note, I've had Glenfiddich's that like, they, you know, purport to be really peaty, but compared to like other peaty whiskies, yeah. it doesn't, like you let your you know, begs. Mm. But let's get yes. along, let's move along. To the Highlands. The Highlands from with, within which Speyside came. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's the largest region. It's the geographically um, largest region. Yeah. Um, it's basically you know, the entirety of Scotland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> essentially. So the Highlands is, um, excuse my French, but it's really fucking cold <laughs> in the Highlands. Um, and the, and I say that because That's whiskey... Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> whiskey, yeah, yeah, but it's it's like colder than Scotland. Well, Charlie's um, the only one who's actually lived in Scotland yeah. or yeah. even been there. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you go as far as the Highlands when you were I did. Uh, I did a, a... Before I left, after living in Edinburgh for over a year, I thought, oh... Crap, I better go see the rest of Scotland. Did you think it was really fucking cold? Yeah, well, it snowed. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> cool. It's usually kind of cold when it's snowing. Yeah, yeah. We, jumped in, we jumped in Loch Ness, and uh, then <laughs> as we got out, uh, freezing cold after jumping in Loch Ness. Didn't see the monster, unfortunately. Uh. I know, I know, I was really hoping. Um, but yeah, it snowed just after we got out. And Scott's we were drinking Charlie. whiskey like water when we got out. <laughs> It was like so cold, so cold. Ooh, this is delicious. Was it Highlands whiskey you were drinking? I can't even tell you. Back then, I didn't really care. Back to the region. <laughs> yeah. If I have a favourite style of whiskey, I'm not even going to go there, actually. But, you know, what I would say is that um, Highlands, again, you know, not all, but tends to be very typically florally. Um, yeah. What, what you do have are some really heavily sherried um, whiskey mm. producers there. So like Glen Dronach, uh, the Macallan, Glen Morangy. Um, they use a lot of wine, sherry, port casks in their, in their whiskies. And so you do get a really sweetie, very florally yeah. uh, style of whiskey. Um, Dalmore's there as well. Um, Enoch, which I love. Um, Enoch's great. 
Anok uh, is a really lesser known distillery, but I think it's coming up. Mm. I think, you know, it won a couple of awards at the San Francisco Spirits. Just as a, as a point of interest for Anok, my brother lives in Byron Bay, which is a very humid, uh, very hot area. Anok's a great whiskey for a really hot climate, a okay. humid climate. It doesn't, well, it doesn't make you feel, it doesn't like, it's not like a, a, a peaty, really heavy peaty whiskey. It's very, almost refreshing. And like, you don't need ice with it or anything. Yeah. Um, it's like a it's cup of hit. tea. That's what I always got about it. So, but it, like one of the things I actually found it really interesting. I read a quote that with Anok, even though they're in the Highlands, they're really close to Speyside and they actually consider themselves more Speyside than most Speyside whiskies. Oh, okay. It's interesting. Just yeah. before we move on, if you can hear crunching, it's my cat finding something in the corner that it's eating. <laughs> so I don't know what it is. I guess... God, hope it's something nice. The other thing with the Highlands, though, just quickly, is that you could almost divide out the northern portion. Like, they do get a different sort of flavour out where your old Pulteney is and um, um, a few other brands. Yeah. They, 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 they t- oh, distilleries brands. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they do get a, a slightly different sort of more I, I guess, uh, more each, grassy and yeah, generally well, each, speaking. Each so, distiller has their own story and, and the reasons why they taste that way. Um, uh, yeah, Old Pultany, uh, um, because it's so cold, it ages a lot slower. So when yeah. they release like a 21-year-old, it might be the same as a you know an Indian five-year-old or something. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's move down from the highlands to the lowlands. Yeah, so the Lowlands used to be a lot, uh, a lot, I guess, a much bigger. Used to be the powerhouse. Oh, no, no, so Campbelltown was the powerhouse. We'll get to Campbelltown was the powerhouse, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I guess there's always boom and bust as far as whiskey distillers go, and the Lowlands region is not as, as, not as, uh, I guess, populated uh, by distillers as it used to be. But um, What happened? um, I think it's just, you know, I've just chalk it up to boom and bust i think it's just as simple as that a lot of places are closed a lot of them are since reopening um there's a really interesting distillery here and and it's actually um one that charlie i would like to hear because he loves this oh, yes. distillery but ocantoshin uh are in the lowlands i call it ocantoshin ocantoshin yeah it could be ocantoshin i don't know but what, what's notable it. about ocantoshin <laughs> that sounds well anyway. the ocantoshin it does doesn't it? uh it's triple distilled which is a very uh unusual for scotland um they yeah all their whiskey is triple distilled so it gives it um a a lot more mellow and subtle subtle flavors uh the the rumor is that it was the perhaps set up by irish monks so really yeah so um that's therefore taking on their their uh, methodologies for um distilling whiskey and that's triple distilled as opposed to double distilled which most scotch whiskey is yes um and yeah. as opposed to bourbon, which is usually just old column stilled, mm. which is completely different. We'll get onto that in another time. Yeah. yeah. Anything from, besides Ockentoshin, is there any other um, brands that people would know? That well, there's, people would... there's Ladnock, and they're interesting because they just got bought by an Australian guy. Um, so this Australian guy whose name escapes me had a yogurt company, which made a hell of a lot of money, and he sold it. And um, <laughs> do we name, decided do we know to get the name into the yogurt. No, I don't know the name of the yogurt, but of course, you know. yogurt whiskey. Who? I mean, it's a natural progression. I hate yogurt, so <laughs> so you know I don't care. But the um, the thing is that you know it was bought by an Australian guy. Um, the distillery, I don't believe, was ever mothballed. It was never closed, but um, yeah, he bought it, and uh, and I believe you'll probably see them coming back in a really big way in Australia at the very least. Okay. Oh, there's also the Glen Glen Kinchy, I think mm. it's called, uh, which is uh, notable because of its difference in the Lowlands, and it's a uh, very peaty whiskey. Apparently, I haven't tried it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Peter, um, Well, let's move on to uh, a region. The it's a lovely name, Isla. Really close to Isla. <laughs> Isla. Isla. <laughs> We're going to talk about Isla, I, like. I think, is, as being a pretty contentious subject because they tend to, and again, not strictly, they tend to make really, really peaty whiskies. Yes. Like smoky and, um, and robust and just like rich and just really knock your socks off. And that's something that I love. I love all those words. Robust. Knock Charlie. Socks off. <laughs> All them. Charlie. Love my socks getting knocked off. Charlie's not quite as... I'm coming around slowly. Um, yeah, uh, uh, you'd, you'd basically put that down to the fact that they've just got a 
bucket load of peat yeah. on that, on that <laughs> island. That there's just they're, they're basically floating on. Apparently, there's roads there that are built on peat that you have to keep eyes out for because the it just keeps falling apart because they're building it on this sort of loose substance. A bucket load of peat doesn't sound like a lot of peat. <laughs> I was trying to refrain from saying shitload of people. <laughs> well, luckily well, you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so I just want to kind of, you know, perhaps Charlie uh, can talk about this more because he's the uh, scienty, scienty guy. Um, but uh, Isla was once in in the ancient history of the Earth completely covered by water, and so the peat that you actually get is, um, you know, peat being decomposed, um, fossilized matter. Um, it is a fossil fuel like coal and like gas. Um, but the, the thing with, um, like natural gas, I should say, the thing with peat in Isla is that it does have, because it's got a lot of, um, uh, nautical influences, you get a very, <laughs> you get a very nautical flavor yeah. in whiskey. You, you mean briny. salty, very oily, salty, briny, yeah. iodine yeah. sort of flavor. Yeah. But from distillery to distillery, they all have a different profile. So here you've got Lagavulin, you've got Laphroaig, you've got um, Ardbeg, um, my beloved Ardbeg. And they all have really different styles of peat that they use. And um, the distillation process makes the peat taste different. Um, oh, so I think, I think it's interesting. I think, I think the flavor that you get in there, though, is also maybe... I, I didn't know about the ge- geological history of um, the area so much, but um, there is... Also, the fact that it is a very exposed island, so you don't get any trees on this island. It's just it's just well, uh, heather, mosses, and grasses. Mm. So the peat is basically just decomposed heather, mosses, and grasses, yeah. and probably quite salt sprayed too. So it's basically yeah the the wind ripping across the ocean and then just depositing salt on top of all these. So this is the island of Isla. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's I don't think we made that clear. What's that? There's not many people in Isla as well. Like, no, it's I mean, a it, very it barren, a difficult place to live. Yeah, <laughs> it, is a, it is a whiskey island, and I'm just looking at Wikipedia now. 3,228 is the population. It's, yeah, right. You know, it's, it's tiny. No, um, we did briefly and, visit Isla as well when we were there, and uh, yeah, it's it was windy. It was, you know, it was beautiful, absolutely stunning scenery. Yeah. But, I really <laughs> living there would be difficult. I really, really want to go there. Um, you know, and and out of those, you know, approximately three thousand people, a huge amount of them work in the whiskey industry. So that's is, right. Yeah. Just think to, off. to finish up with Isla. I, if you haven't had a lot of peated whiskey before and you want to sort of dip your toe in, I'd recommend the Lager Woolen. I would never recommend dipping your toe into whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might kill your tinea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually would recommend uh, Kilhoman um, as being a great whiskey. Youngest t- distillery on uh, Isla. As a peated um, whiskey for someone who hasn't yeah, had a lot of peat? Yeah, yeah. And it's very young whiskey, but it's amazing. It's incredible. Let's move on to Sea Town. Right? No, that's the suburb in Sydney. <laughs> named after Campbelltown in Scotland. Campbelltown. Named after. I think so. No. I'm just making that assumption because it's the same name. You reckon Scottish people who migrate to Australia like to live in Campbelltown? Because no, not it's at all. Probably why it's called Campbelltown. Mm. I don't think there's anything <laughs> less like each other than the Campbelltown in Sydney yeah. and the Campbelltown in Scotland. Yeah, What's but you'll probably find that that's why it's called Campbelltown. The Scots probably. Scots went there. Scots went there. Left. There's an entire city in in uh, New Zealand that is named after um, is Dunedin. Yeah. It's named after a, a Scottish city, and then all the streets are named after streets in Edinburgh in the main centre. And it's this has nothing to do with whiskey. <laughs> Let's talk about the whiskey. The Scots do a lot. <laughs> they get around. <laughs> What's notable about Campbelltown, Charlie? Well, Campbelltown used to be the yeah the the powerhouse of uh, of uh, Scotch whiskey. Um, they they used to have thirty distilleries on the in the region. Uh, they're down to two now. Which are the Springbank and uh, Glen Scotia. Mm. So um, yeah, I'm not sure why that is. It might be because um, of its incredible phallic nature. It <laughs> it looks like a giant penis um, <laughs> on the map, um, it, it, to the point where apparently the BBC or the censoring agency that looked up, looked over the BBC at some stage, there's rumours that they had a a law that said um, it was called the Isle of the Mull of King. How do we say this? King Grey? King King Tyre. King Tyre. 
the mull of King Tyre uh, law, and if if a penis was to to appear on screen to an angle above that of the mull of King Tyre, it was not to be broadcast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what a dick move! Yeah. <laughs> what so, about the whiskey yeah. from there? So it's, so there's it's, two. Let's talk about. There's only two. <laughs> yeah, there's two. Apparently, you used to you pull in in a boat, and the whole as you pulled in was like distilleries all the way all the, the whole coastline was but now two. distilleries down to yeah. two Springbank's interesting interesting sorry Springbank um, has uh, three very different styles of whiskey that they make which they release under different brands so they've got Springbank which is the, the I guess the very traditional kind of scotch they've got um, Hazelburn which is a triple distilled whiskey we talked about Alcantarshan being uh, you know triple distilled and they've got uh, Longrow, which is um, a heavily peated whiskey. Um, so that's interesting. They're a really large producer. Don't know much about Glen Scotia, though. Maybe we'll no, visit sorry, them in another episode. Maybe we'll buy a bottle. Yeah. Maybe. And the last one, the islands, Warwick. It's not really an officially recognised region. No. But we're going to talk about it anyway. Yeah, we're going to talk about it anyway, because I think it has its own style. I think, you know, you, you do tend to see the brands like Talisker, Highland Park, and um, I guess wonder where Scarpa. they're from. Scarpa, yeah. Charlie mm. loves Scarpa. I do I love Scarpa. And Talisker. Yeah, Talisker's great. You got, that got yeah. you in whiskey, didn't it? Uh, no, no, actually, the McCallan. Uh, no. The McCallan. The McCallan. The McCallan. Got me um, into whiskey. But anyway, you always get on about Talisker. Talisker, I think, yeah, for me, I, I, I rate that just so highly because it's such a well-balanced, very peaty whiskey. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's really peaty, but you do get a lot of other flavours coming out. Because you don't like peat. Really. I'm coming around. I'm coming <laughs> around. Um, yeah, no, I had uh, another dram of the Lagavulin this week, and it might have been a, a reflection of my mood when I, <laughs> when, I, when I had such a, what I would almost uh, um, describe as a moody whiskey. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> was, That's what whiskey's for. I was very melodramatic at that stage. It's, it's for loving. Um, the islands... All of these different distilleries that go all the way up the coast of Scotland um, mm. have hugely different styles. And Talisker is interesting because it's peated um, and it has that oily, briny um, yeah. flavour, kind of like Isla. But mm. um, Highland Park are interesting because they're also a distillery that are notable for using peat. But the peat's totally different. It's a really florally, grassy kind of peat. Um, and then you've got the Isle of Arran distillery, which is um, not really peated at all. I think they probably use some small amount of peat, but um, that's, uh, you know, uh, I guess officially part of the Speyside region, I believe, but it's um, not at all like Speyside. Um, okay. It's kind of nutty. So, yeah, kind the Scarpa, I haven't tried either of those, but the Scarpa, which is uh, the second most northern distillery in Scotland after Highland Park, um, just knocked my socks off. It was a duty-free buy. I'd never heard of it. And I just was like, yeah, I need another whiskey. That one. Was it and expensive? I hear they're I expensive. Think, no, I don't think it was. No, I, Talisker, I remember if you're getting Talisker duty-free. No, it's Scarpa. Scarpa. Oh, Scarpa. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, blew my socks off. That's been likes to have done. <laughs> um, and yeah, just, yeah, the, really briny, actually. Like, the, you could really taste the salt coming through and I loved it. It was just spectacular. And I'm not a salt fan. So I think I remember, Charlie, when you opened that whiskey. Yeah. I think it was at your house and you're like, let's open this. Yeah, probably. Let's try it. Yeah, yeah. Our friend said, Scarpa, that sounds Italian. <laughs> we might get into the individual distilleries a bit more later. I think we wanted mm. to keep it to, you know, to, a, I guess, a really quick run around. But, um, yes. you know, all the distilleries are so different and um, there's some amazing stuff to be had. So, yeah, I think in summary, like the the regions are... I, I, I had a quote before and I've lost it now um, because I can't be bothered finding it again. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the regions are almost as defined by their ge uh, geography and uh, climate as they are by basically history and culture. It seems to be that they're, they're, as much as, yeah, okay, there's ready access to peat and there's really lots of water around, is and the climate when they're barreling the the whiskies is yeah def puts as much into the flavor as just well this is the kind of whiskey we produced in the past and we're just going to continue on with that and they've just carried on with that sort of 
mentality. So it's a, it's sort of an interesting thing. So because you do get these whiskey distilleries that pop up that just completely go against everything else everyone else is doing. And if if geo- geography was the only thing that played part, you couldn't do that. <laughs> so it's 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 an interesting thing, and I, I kind of like it. It sort of puts a bit of romance into it. I guess what the mm-hmm. the French call what terrier terrier or something, where mm-hmm. they they're talking about the wine and it comes from pretty, uh, specific regions. I have no regions. idea what you're talking. I think it's terrier. You've got they, like, like you know champagne, and you've got um, yeah specific regions give Burgundy. specific styles. Like yeah. when you go to the Kunawara yeah. region, you get very bold Shiraz and yeah. Merlots yeah. and all this stuff. It's a, yeah. it's that sort of thing. But I think with whiskey, it's as much of the culture that adds to the flavor as yeah. much as the geography does. Absolutely. Well, so ladies and gentlemen. There's our quick whip around Scotland. Yeah. So you can go to your local whiskey bar and give up with the best of the bearded <laughs> hipsters. Yeah. And hold your own. <laughs> Just drop one of them bombs in. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Let's move on to our whisk- featured whiskey of the day, which we've been slowly drinking all podcasts. Slowly. Well, some of us. At least, Charlie, this time you have some left. Yes. By the time we've got here. Yes, last that's time why I brought two whiskies. <laughs> this time, last podcast, you were like, I need some more. Yeah, give me yours. <laughs> so as you know, and as you've seen on Facebook, we're drinking the Glen Glen Farclass 15-year-old. Because we couldn't get the 12. <laughs> is that is it is the 12 better? No, 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 no. We just we just decided we'll get the 12 and then we couldn't get it, so we got the 15. Well that's problem solving for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm happy with the 15. Oh, I, yeah. I've been happy with it all day. Yeah, mm. all day. When did you start? <laughs> Breakfast, <Holy> yes. <laughs> I had it with my week mix. Damn straight. Um, well, I hope you at home, you have managed to buy yourself a bottle. Um, or, or even just a or little do bit. what we do and chip in with mates and get yeah. one bottle between three. It's a good way to do it. It's a great way to do it. So I guess this is when we go around and talk about what, we're, what we think about it. Absolutely. Do uh, I... I started last time. Warwick, do you want to start this time? Well, I do the really clinical kind of uh, tasting notes, but... Charlie, do you want to start this time? <laughs> you don't want to start with <laughs> No, I want, to, I want to start, actually, because I will talk about some of the things that I wrote down. So, now that I'm noticing this, I feel like I'm wrong on everything <laughs> that I wrote down. Everything's wrong. It's all wrong. <laughs> but the first thing I got That's when I smoked this... <laughs> It's gotten deep. Everyone's gotten so, deep. So Glen Farkless is a really heavily sherried whiskey. Um, but what they do, like all single malt distillers, they tend to, I, I guess, like, you know, they, they will vat all the different barrels and try and come up with a certain flavor profile. So the 15-year-old should be consistently the same every time they produce yeah. a batch. Um, kind of like what you expect from a Big Mac. Um, <laughs> so when I, when I smell this, I think, you know, what you get is you get that real sherry hit, so the raisins and the and that kind of, you know, forest fruits, berries, and all of those sort of things that you would, um, I guess, connect with sherry. But I got a really... And I, I have a theory as to why you get this, but I, I, the first thing you smell, I think, is wood and, like, varnish. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, of course whiskey is matured in a barrel. Of course you're going to get wood. But it's interesting to me because it tells me that maybe the barrels themselves aren't as heavily sherry as they used to be mm. maybe there's a higher proportion of, of like you know barrels that have been used multiple times for whiskey or uh, you know maybe less active casks um, but I mean that that was the main thing that I got but I think you also get some apples and some citrus when you actually drink it when you're doing the mouthing as we coined last week <laughs> but to me the, uh, with the, nose. the the finish of this whiskey is really long and you know, it's a very warming whiskey. I think it's it's really lovely. Mm. It's, inter- it's, inter- nah, it's interesting that you say that because I get that varnish taste towards the end. So, the aftertaste, I suppose. When I'm... When I have this, I mean, I, I get... I don't know, tart berries, so like like raspberries as, as like an opening, but with a hint of... I suppose vanilla, um, but the end of it is I've been trying to I sh- I've been trying to put my finger on that that mm. ending for a while. I had it admittedly after a few drinks um, a couple of nights ago, and but it's really that sort of varnishy, almost like a too strong Christmas pudding taste. Mm. Um, but 
that being said, actually, I quite like this. Um, this is one of those bottles, and I think your uh, your mate Jim gave me this idea of when you, you buy yourself a bottle of whiskey for winter to, to keep you to keep you warm. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be one of those ones. It's sort of you know, it's a nice sort of warming, mm. um, comforting style. Yeah. Um, when I tried it, um, I did have it at the front of my mind, which is why I pointed out earlier that um, Warwick was talking about the dark Ardberg that they're trying to produce the darkest whiskey they possibly could. Um, and this was purely on the information Warwick gave me. I was under the impression that this whiskey was uh, produced entirely in virgin Oloroso sherry casks. Is that meant to be correct? Yeah. Uh, I actually don't know what style of sherry they use. I, okay. I, I actually think because they're vat it, they probably use a multiple, uh, plenty of different sherry. Vat? They use vat, sorry, or they use uh, casks? Oh, well, well, the term when you when you um, when you blend something is that you vat all of oh, the, right, the different right, right. barrels together. But the barrels themselves, I are couldn't meant tell to be you. Virgin? Are they meant to be first used? First use sherry ca- sherry casks, right? Is I it? think that might be the secret. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe we can find out about that. Well, oh, I, I, I said, because can if you us. look at the colour, it's very pale. And w- with our experimental home cast, we you know we cured it with sherry before we put our own whiskey in. It came out very dark, and it got yeah. darker as time went on. Yeah. This is 15 years old in sherry casks. I, I, looking at the colour, you would suppose that not many of them are first use, that they've probably mm. the second or third years. Mm. So it's a very straw colour. It's not... It's, it's not yeah, it's quite... quite it's really quite pale. I mean, putting it up against the other dr- whiskey I'm drinking at the moment, it's actually paler than that, and that's just a 12... I think a 12-year-old organic Ben Romack whiskey. Um, but uh, the flavour-wise, yeah, the nose, quite... Quite, I guess, floral, yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah um, like walking into a, 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 a wet field... <laughs> I don't know, like I don't know how to say it. Like a glen, basically a glen. You know, it's it, it's a glen farkless. So yeah, I mean they are. It does bring up that sort of imagery when you smell it. It smells like yeah, you you're walking into a glen. And then trying it, I thought it was more of that sort of fruit cake. Yeah. Sort of uh, taste, and I was trying to get it then, but did a little when I really sloshed it around my mouth. As time goes on, it sort of goes more into that darker fruits, plum pudding. So you start with sort of a fruit cake and it sort of goes to a plum pudding for me mm. over time. And that's what I could, got from it. You could write a romance novel with a line like that. Ooh. Stumbling into a freshly damp glen. <laughs> I don't... You're naked. <laughs> you're a so centaur. Am I. <laughs> Sounds like a choose your own adventure. Yeah. What do you Adventure do next? Yeah, which page do you turn to next to do this? Turn well, to page 24. I frequently walk into uh, damp glens. Really? <laughs> yes. Where? <laughs> the Merry Creek. <laughs> Everywhere, Charlie. Everywhere. Now, the other question is, what beers are we drinking with this? Because we're also drinking beers. Uh, well, I'm drinking a Cooper's Green. Um because I gave it to you, therefore I'm also drinking Cooper's Green. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with Cooper's Green. Like, I mean, it's a very biscuity, very multi-driven uh, pale ale. However, the beer that I actually thought went really well with this is a beer that I haven't cracked open yet. And I'll share some with you guys as well if I, you know, maybe I'll get some this time. Thanks, man. Um, That'd be great. But it, the uh, Red Hill in the Mornington Peninsula, just uh, near Melbourne, um, do Victoria. a golden, do a golden ale, which is uh, fantastic. Mm. And I think... Um, it's a Belgian style golden ale, and yep. it's um, it's it's really it's 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 very blonde, um, very um, so quite light on the malt. Yeah, 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 very 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 heady. Is that a good way of describing beer? Heavy, heady, heady. There's a lot of head, a lot, like foam. A lot of foam. Yeah. Okay, that could yeah. be kind of hot. But I think that worked really well because this is quite a rich, intense whiskey to have a beer that balances that out with that sort of like really clean, sort mm-hmm. of like not so multi driven. Is it so, quite floral as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's where I would go. I haven't tr- I haven't managed to match it with a... Yeah. I haven't had a, a beer to match this with that I actually like. Uh, the, the matching. Yeah. I do like Cooper's. It's but a, I, it's thought, a, <laughs> I thought Belgian and kind of went from that. Yeah, I would go, yeah, I would go for a, a nice ale that's light on the malt, yeah. good with the hops. Yeah. Well, I'm drinking the Mountain Goat Summer Ale, which probably is, there isn't a lot of left. Um... 
out of a can into a glass. Um, look, I was going to give you some tasting notes on it, but to tell you the truth, I've had too much whiskey and I can't really give you a good, good understanding <laughs> of, the, of the beer. Other than to say, it goes really well with this whiskey. It does, actually. I just told it goes very well with the whiskey. Just told a sip of Ben's glass. It does go well. I just had a taste then, and all I can taste is flavors that go well with the whiskey. And just quickly... It's beer. It's beer. Yeah, when we're <laughs> talking about... Beer. We should do a whole segment on this, but just quickly, on the matching of beer to whiskey, I was told the best... What you want, ideally, when you're matching a beer with a whiskey is the beer to totally take out every flavor of the whiskey and the whiskey to take out every flavor of the beer. So every time you get to try the other one, you're tasting it fresh. And that's the perfect match. That's what you're going for. So did you try the Siri with this whiskey? No, no, I didn't I didn't oh, get enough chance to do that. But that's that's that when people are saying what what is matching a beer to a whiskey? What's the deal? Why am I trying this? What what am I even trying to do here? You you didn't you didn't try it on this Let's just end the podcast sometime. Okay. <laughs> that made my brain explode. No, I would just say that that's 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 what you're trying to do. And no, that so makes that's sense. that's why that's what you're trying to do. And if you get it, it's the most when you get a perfect match between a beer and a whiskey and I had it I had the perfect match once at the Whiskey and Ailment. They gave me the perfect match, and I wish I could remember the combination. But it was literally, I was sitting there taking a sip from one, going, amazing. Taking a sip from the other, going, ah, this is spectacular. And just sat there and got really drunk, because I just kept bouncing between the two. Let's give it a score. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Yeah. You're going to give it a four out of five five. as well? Yeah. I thought about it long and hard. And I, I, I almost went 4.5, but I, I stuck with 4. It's I'm going to go 3.5. 3.5? Wow. That's, I mean, look, it's Are a Are you great... including price point in that? Uh, not really. That's it. Okay. Look, it's a very good whiskey. I'm just, it's, it's not blowing my socks off. Really? No, it's... Not knocking your socks off. Or All blowing that. your socks off. All that. Mm. Um, She's I, not even fiddling with look, your socks. Three point five is a very good score. It is, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to get you know go too hard on like. Ah, uh, you the go scores. like I don't know how hard this could go yet. Yeah, I think this is a great whiskey to have over winter. I think this is a great whiskey to have as a. I'm just gonna watch some TV. I'm gonna have a beer. I'm gonna drink a whiskey. Whiskey. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna put it into my. I only have this on occasion. Whiskey. Whiskeys. Alright, so that gives us an official Melted score of 3.8 out of 5. You're bringing the team down, man. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm being representative. Which means no. that in the in the power rankings of whiskey... Is anyone familiar with power rankings at home? Maybe. No. But, you know, you rank NBA teams. And so, yeah. like, right now, the, the Golden State Warriors... You are have to bring in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. you know. I, I, I love the NBA. But basically, if we're going to talk about power rankings, then this is number one. <laughs> um, whereas number two is the Ben Romack 10-year-old from the last episode, which we gave an official milestone score of 3.5. We actually all agree. This time, we don't agree. And it's over a measly 0.5. And I think we're going to beat up Ben after this podcast. Yeah, fucking bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we end up, though, I think there's a, there's a cheers to be had for two two gentlemen. Yeah. Two gentlemen of the whiskey world. Yep. Mr. Harold Curry and Mr. John McLennan. Yeah. Two distillers from Scotland. We've done... An amazing job over the years. Um, Harold Curry founded the Isle of Arran. Isle of Arran distillery. distillery. Yeah. And John McLennan was the distillery manager of both Kilhoman in his later years and Bunnabine. Bunnabine? Some probably Scotch names. Bunnabine. I believe it's Bunnabine. Um, you know, yeah. all this Gaelic stuff, like, you know. It's beautiful I, language. Yeah. But Banahabain, he was a distillery manager of both of those distilleries. Um, and like I said, I you know I, I love Kilhoman and he did an amazing job. So let's let's yep. cheers to him. Harry, John, cheers. Thanks guys. Thanks guys for your service. Mm. Whiskey. And right. Thank you, Glenn Farkless. Well, that brings us to the end of episode two. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for everyone who commented on Facebook. Um, all the and likes, your likes. And, all the likes on, on Instagram and comments. Wait, 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 Let's stop the tape. Let's stop the tape. Oh my Got god! A rumor to address. What? So what? 
there, there, there was a sort of rumor that was being circulated on Facebook that we had taken our little, little cute malted barrel and <laughs> shoved it in a block of ice. Yeah, we need to talk about um, this. Which God. we then sent to Antarctica where it would lay for 20, sorry, 75 years yeah, before Yeah, I, I want to talk to you about retreated. this because I'm not going to be alive when this thing gets back. Well, I might be because, you know... You're younger than me. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> I'm, I'm marginally younger and I also am in robust health. Um, but um, that is... That was an April Fool's joke. Sorry to say. Um, I worked really hard on it. I made a really well photoshopped image. It looked um, pretty convincing. With MS Paint. Yeah. So Even though the, really the, sorry. the cast suddenly expanded from maybe a cross-sectional diameter of 20 centimeters to 5 meters. but was... That was just the perception of the photo. <laughs> Good Lord. All right, everyone. It was great. Thanks for it had me going for a while. <laughs> I was convinced that my barrel had gone. Not me. No. No, come back. No, but I just left you at Warwick's house. Why? <laughs> it is sitting there with port at the moment um, in it, and uh, we got plans for it. Oh, we've we got port much. now. Yeah, it's got port in it. Do we talk about the plans for the whiskeys we're drinking? No, let's, let's keep them hanging. Yeah, let's keep them hanging. All right. Yeah. Guys, hit us up on Facebook, on Instagram, on the Twitter and our email address and gmails for the for you old coots um <laughs> any feedback's great uh anything you disagree with us is awesome because we have no idea what we're fucking talking about and I'd love to argue <laughs> Charlie loves to argue so one more cheers episode 2 done and dusted thanks yeah. guys goodbye and Good out <laughs> see you later for listening to the handsome gentleman from Malted. Please email us your thoughts at maltedthepodcast at gmail.com. Stalk us on Facebook at Malted. Gaze upon us with Instagram at Malted Podcast. Consume our 140 character opinions on Twitter at Malted Podcast. You can listen to us at SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher and all good podcast platforms by searching for Malted Podcast. Slanchip.